0: Hello my fellow extraordinary Americans. My name is Cosmos Dhar and this is extraordinary America. What is extraordinary America? Well you see America has always been about freedom, opportunity and the pursuit of happiness. However, most Americans are not free when it comes to the financial front. Most Americans are suffering from financial slavery due to loss of jobs, stagnant wages, inflation and debt. Wealth and income inequality is the norm now and the middle class has all but disappeared. So extraordinary America, is about the abolition of financial slavery. It is about the financial freedom of the 99%. It is about the nation of immigrants and the descendant of immigrants restoring the extraordinary within themselves and setting themselves free. The path to financial freedom is through financialist education. It is to becoming entrepreneurs and investors on the light side. In this podcast, I interviewed fellow Americans who fought against the odds. Many of them came from humble beginnings to see how they did it. It is my hope through these interviews that the extraordinary within you shall awaken and that you will abolish financial slavery from your life and realize the American dream. Once again, welcome to Extraordinary America. Welcome back to the show, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. For today's guest, we have Sophie Alpern. Sophie Alpern is a top 10 California immigration entrepreneur and thought leader. She's a certified specialist attorney in immigration and nationality law by the State Bar of California and Board of Legal Specialization. Her mission is to help people harness their strengths, follow their hearts, find direction in their goals and live their dreams in the United States. She founded Alkern Immigration Law, which is considered the top immigration law firm for startups in California. Global global entrepreneurs, investors and even countries frequently seek her counsel on immigration, mobility and economic policy. She also authors TechCrunch's advice column called Dear Sophie and hosts a podcast called Immigration Law for Tech Startups. And she also helps draft the new legislation, which helps shape America's immigration future. Lastly, she has been featured in Business Insider, The New York Times, and Teen Vogue. I have her as a guest today because I believe that she represents the American identity of the, of the immigration identity and also the pioneering and entrepreneurial spirit that Americans need today right? And she's an extraordinary American. Uh, so I I, would, uh, I am honored to have her as a guest on the show today. Sophie, are you there?
1: Hi, yes, I am. Thank you hey, for so, having me.
0: Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Um, Sophie, I know that you are an entrepreneur who specializes in immigration. You're an attorney and also a podcaster. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background and how you got started?
1: Sure. Thank you. I grew up as the daughter of an immigration lawyer and an immigrant and was often inspired by all the stories I got this year from my dad about all of his clients who were extraordinary new Americans from all over the world. Um, at that time, moving to the Los Angeles area in the 80s and 90s, um, That was the environment I grew up in and when I came of age and got my degree I studied international relations at Stanford and then decided to go to law school I knew that I wanted to probably be more more things than a lawyer um so uh but I'm very glad for my legal background because it's allowed me to become an entrepreneur in the the legal space and the main thing that my law firm does, an immigration law, is we help brilliant individuals from around the world who are people of extraordinary ability, who are you know creating jobs and companies in the United States and building things in the national interest. Um, we help them and their families and their new employees uh, live and work legally in the United States. So. An honor and a and a privilege, um, and I love doing this type of work because I can see the um, the the spiral effect out, the fractal effect out into the world of of the impact that my clients have.
0: That's awesome. So, Sophie, what is your overarching goal and vision when it comes to your career, especially like when it comes to immigration law?
1: Um, thank you. The big question would be how do I help people most effectively at scale to be able to follow their hearts and live out their dreams so for me in the immigration law and startup space that translates to how can I help a thousand or ten thousand as the next, you know, little speed job running around um, in their homes in Venezuela or That's South awesome. Africa to be able to be fully empowered to live in a safe place where they have access to all the resources, capital, mentors they need so that they can you know, walk them into that most full version of themselves, regardless of the circumstances of their birth.
0: So, like, as a continuation of this, right, like, what was, was like, from when you decided to do all of this, what was your foundational motivation or the why that led you towards this career versus, like, any other career?
1: Mm. Well, it was a long and windy road, and I didn't know I would end up here. I just knew that certain things didn't feel right and certain things felt better. So, I've just always tried to listen to that inner voice of knowing about when something feels right you know go for it and if if something's off or it's not clear then maybe it's not right and so to iterate pivot relaunch test um for most of my uh academic years i i specifically just said i don't want to be an immigration lawyer because i didn't want to copy my dad and i didn't want to um you know, be, be in a situation working with him where my job was perceived as being based on nepotism. For example, I wanted to pave my own way. Um, so I reluct, you know, I, I studied international relations because it was the thing that aligned most closely to my values of understanding how, uh, people, you know, are raised in different cultures and how we can interact and how we have different organizational systems for our countries and, you know, what that means philosophically and anthropologically in different countries around the world. Um, I love studying languages. I've lived in several countries and I love that moment of like, when you start dreaming in a new language, there's like this whole other world of understanding that opens up where concepts, um, just like new concepts exist when you adopt the new language that is rooted around this concept. So I studied international relations and then um, I thought, well, you know, um, probably best to get some sort of grad school over with. So what could I, what's like a multi-purpose degree? I don't necessarily want to be locked into academia. I wanted to be doing things. I had a radio show in Undergrad, and at some point I got frustrated because at that time I was like, I don't want to be talking about the news. I want to be making the news. Um, So I ended up in law school. That was a powerful foundation, but also it's a it's a really challenging education. Um, Lawyers get hazed by the educational system to be worst case scenario thinkers, but of course that's what you want your lawyer. To be looking out for you and to be able to,
0: lawyers get a lot of lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Like they get a lot of bad rap, but they're they still a necessity. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that's like the most effective lawyer for a client is somebody who's like always mitigating the risk of the worst case possible outcome. But that's a tough way to to um live as a human being. Like that mode of thinking is great to be a strong lawyer, but it for me didn't work so well for like happiness or interpersonal relationships Uh,
0: like doesn't give you like a pessimistic outlook on life like just all is looking at the world
1: yeah 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 that like everything that like anything that's a like when i had my kid um he was like one and he hit another toddler at the park and took her shovel and the other mom chewed me out because her more mature one-year-old girl, you know, wouldn't do that to people. And um, I went to this shame spiral where I ended up at the at the public library researching like psychological treatises on child development. I took all the research. I made this huge outline, like trying to diagnose if my kid was doing developmentally appropriate things or not. And like, I was, you know, spotting every potential issue, analyzing the risk associated,
0: with <laughs>
1: my arguments to myself. And at the end of the day, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm an okay mom. My kid is doing fine." So, like, but that's, that's that like absurd mode of thinking that I took from my law career when I was faced with a personal problem because that was my tool set for how to how to think about things. So, I I I prefer the the creative mode and trying to expand zero sum games into positive sum games. And so that's why I like the business of law and the business of immigration and helping people, you know, access visas where they thought that none existed for them. Um, so that's what I gravitate towards more now personally.
0: So, so Sophie, like in your field, uh, which is a combination of business and immigration law, right? Uh, what is the biggest lesson you ended up learning over the years while you were in this in this field?
1: Mm. It changes, but the one I've been thinking about most recently has to do with how by putting ourselves in the environment, we can accelerate becoming the person we want to be who we think would be in that environment. So when I went from stay-at-home mom to um, solo practitioner attorney and I was just starting my, my law firm, my self-confidence was shot and I would just tell myself, like, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it, because, you know, believe it, because you already are it. But like,
0: I don't... Well, what do you think about the fake it till you make it monster? Because a lot of people go by that. It seems to succeed, but a lot of people think it's also generous. But as an entrepreneur, what's, what's your take on it?
1: Well, it helped me get through a time when I really didn't believe in myself. But as I look back, I didn't actually have to fake anything. All I had to do was believe in myself. I wasn't doing anything. You know, all the things I were, were doing was doing came from a place of integrity and I was confident and I was doing my due diligence to make sure I was doing the right thing every time. The only missing was i didn't believe in myself and i was super insecure um so i think it has its place because it helped me at that stage but at some point i had to switch the language to like fake it till you believe it because i realized that like the only limiting factor was just my self-belief and image of myself it wasn't that i was actually an imposter or doing something i shouldn't be doing i was eminently eminently qualified um But now, as I, you know, I've I've put myself in the Silicon Valley environment and I see it rubbing off on me. And um, Mm -hmm. when I was an undergrad at Stanford around the dot-com boom um, and buffed, I had a lot of um, jealousy of the tech people who were in the startup world. And I... um, why is that instead of asking myself oh sophie is that because that's something you aspire to do to you know have a, an organization of that magnitude and impact on the world that that's that that, it, that is at that scale um i had i come from like catholic roots and that has a lot to do with like martyrdom and money and bad and you should like selflessly serve others and not look you know not look for any like outside validation um and like money is bad essentially so instead of like asking myself oh sophie do you just want to be a startup founder i was like no you know that's for those people i'm gonna do a noble career of helping people um so i think i probably wanted all of that for a long time but didn't um didn't yet know how to admit it to myself, but now being in Silicon Valley and working with all these founders and seeing all the, you know, extraordinary new Americans who are, who are creating products, then it definitely gets my juices flowing and, oh, you know, we could do this or we could do that. And it's, it's just so fun to be in that environment of fast-paced creativity. And so now I'm like looking at things at my law firm of like, no, we just have to get product market fit people and like <laughs> the, the jargon and the language rubbing off, right? In another sector that really had nothing to do traditionally um, with that type of business environment. It's fun. Um, it's fun and it's exciting. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like another version of fake it till you make it. It's like put yourself in that situation, do your best. Eventually it will rub off on you one way or another.
0: So, Sophie, you, talk,
1: <laughs>
0: you, you talked about, you know, uh, like, like your religious roots where they talk about how money is, the, money is bad, you should be selfless, and everything. But we understand in today's world that you have to have resources and at least financial resources that order to make any sort of impact. So what would you tell the audience who has religious roots and who have like bad ideas about money? And uh, like, how would, like how, would you, uh, how would you talk to somebody who's like, oh, money's pretty bad. And then like, but at the same time, like they want to make a change or something of like that, you know? Would It's really
1: tough because uh, being in that, it's like, if you're like a fish in a fishbowl, it's really hard to imagine what it would be like to, you know, be in a different fishbowl or walk on land or be in the ocean, right? It's like hard to imagine something that you haven't, pasted yet um but i mean my current belief system is is different my beliefs have definitely shifted and evolved over the years and now i would say that money is simply a tool it's an expression like a 3d physical world manifestation of energy and whatever you put out into the world to create value for others you have the option of you know reclaiming some of that in the form of currency as a as a measure of that value and um money is just it's just a tool there's people who use you know it's just like
0: it's neutral for,
1: it's just a medium and, and whether you're a person of integrity, you know, as a separate matter and whether you use your money, um, to promote your values and if those are good values, right. That's, I think it's, it's ugh, not really the polarity between like right and wrong and good or bad. It's just, um, you know, money is available if you want it, there are ways to earn it, um. And you can be a good person and create wealth, and you can choose how to deploy that wealth in things that you believe in that that have a positive impact on the world.
0: No, I I totally agree with you. The uh like, it, but it's important for the audience to know that because a lot of people at the subconscious level they are bit brainwashed to believe money is evil, but ultimately it's neutral. It's how we utilize it, whether we're going to use it for good or for bad that ultimately decides the fate. You know, um. Uh, so, Sophie, on a different note, uh, you are a female entrepreneur who is also a mother. And you know, a lot of women out there actually want to be entrepreneurs, but they have a family and it's they're really afraid of the fear of failure and financial ruin, And they want to go into a field and uh, they want to succeed. You're one of the few people that have actually been, uh, not only have you gone into the, the uh, the hurdle of being like a female entrepreneur but also you have a you have, you have a child that succeeded in spite of that what advice would you give to other women out there especially ones who have children on starting business or even going into law
1: mm. yeah and I'm a single mom too I got divorced in this in this whole process so I had to figure out how to make it on my own in Silicon Valley which has a very high cost of living um, and I and I went from having you know given up my career and didn't really have a network here when I started everything, it was very scary. Um, There were lots of like dark hours of the, of the soul. And um, it's not for the faint of heart. I think that if I, right, because, because that, um, I mean, I think for, for a lot of parents, right, you just want stability and security for your children and for them to have the best life possible. And so that can, can feel at odds with um, personal empowerment or taking risks to to create something greater than what was there before. Um, Sometimes I think that it's it's sort of like um, you knew all the drops on the roller coaster you might not strap yourself in for the ride <laughs> but if you're in it and you're committed and you're strapped in you're just gonna grow because there's only one way and it's forward hard. so but so
0: well, but again, it's a it's a know, rare... very
1: powerful motivation but at that point there's not a lot of choice either the only option is to succeed and mess them um, an intense situation that isn't necessarily the right thing for everybody to put themselves in if, if they have a choice
0: yeah but like we we're, we're talking about like uh a, a, like a, let's say a mother with children that like, who's uh trying to be an entrepreneur at the same time like you have to think of the kid as well you know it's there's a fear of financial ruin. there's like a lot of factors that go wrong but uh but you're saying that we sh- they they should just they should like just keep moving forward no matter what then i sh- i th-
1: i think that Whether to embark on this journey is, you know, a very personal decision that everybody has to make for themselves based on what's in their hearts and doing the right thing for themselves and their family. It's not for everybody, but if if somebody has done that, you know, deep inner work of discernment about whether entrepreneurship is right for them and whether they want to do it, it's it's totally possible. Um, you know, I recommend having accountability partners and mentors and support, and to avail yourself of financial resources and investment, and to to have people in your life who will help you, who can either help fund you or invest, or who will help you create a solid business plan. Like if you're going into entrepreneurship from not having any background, you know, it's very important to be prepared. But if If you do those things, I think that it's just as possible for a woman with kids to succeed as it is for a man without kids, for example. Um, You know, I've done it.
0: That's really inspiring to hear. Yeah. A lot of people out there need this inspiration because, I mean, they're going to see you. They're going to be like, you know what? She's managed to do it. I think I have it. Yeah, I could do it as well.
1: Yeah, it's like living life on our own terms you know who's who's gonna dictate is it society is it culture is it pressure is it fear a failure or is it a uh, possibility hope inner guidance direction In- inner knowingness um because yeah where there's a will there's a way For
0: sure. love that so uh what what would you, like, What what is one thing you wish you'd know before you started uh, at the beginning of, like, your career? What would you advise uh, anybody else who's just starting off in your yeah. field, uh, especially, like, you know, women entrepreneurs who are also lawyers and they want to combine the two together?
1: Mm. There's, like, this balance between planning and strategy and execution, and I think the biggest risk is just not moving fast enough, trying to be perfect, and not making enough decisions quickly enough. I am of the philosophy that it's, for me and my personality, it has worked better to launch and iterate, to just get something out there, try to you know, get feedback from customers, um, clients in my case, right? Um, But just do it because you're going to learn a thousand times more from the actual process than you could in a vacuum with a whiteboard or a Google Doc planning something out. So just, you know, give it your best go, but at some point you're going to hit a planning wall with marginal return. So just get, Something out there, anything. Sell it. Figure out if people even want to buy it, or if they buy it, how it goes for them, right? And then from there, you have so much valuable information. And um, failure is a super valuable source of information, right? Every everything.
0: That Love that too.
1: Work. Thank you. Yeah, everything that doesn't work is an indicator of what might work instead, or how to do things differently.
0: A different way to look at failure you know most people hit failure like oh i'm gonna give up but it's just a learning curve it's a yeah. it's an educational experience yeah. i love that yeah i love yeah. that you mentioned that
1: thanks yeah like if you make you know 10 decisions and nine of them are perfect and one isn't right and then you've done nine perfect things but if you make Let's say you only have an 80% success rate or even 50% of your decisions are good turn out to be the right business decision. But you take a hundred shots, right? Then you've made 50 good decisions and of the 50 that didn't work out, at least you learned. And even now you've made 50 steps forward instead of just nine steps forward. So failure is okay. It's not gonna be perfect. And that was really hard for me to come from the lawyer mindset Where it is a zero-sum game, you win the case or you lose the case, it's a totally different way of thinking in business where um, it's a different tally system for the game, right? It's like, oh, how profitable is this? How much money is there? Uh, Where do I reinvest it? How much can it grow? Uh, It's a very different way of thinking.
0: No, totally. So, Sophie, on a different note, right, America, they say that America is the land of and the place where dreams are made. Do you agree or disagree with that?
1: Oh, I totally agree with that. I think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and perception creates reality and, um, the choice, whether to be a um, glass half full type of person, I think that, um, because I've been you know, raised as a child from a young age to see all the people um, reaping opportunities in the land of the free and the place where dreams are made. Um, I gravitate towards that. And I see all of the success stories and the examples and that reinforces my worldview. And it's like money, it's neither good nor bad. It's thinking that makes it so. And so for somebody who... You know wants to pave their own way and and make their own opportunity. There's really no better place in the world to do it than the united states and that's why my immigration law firm is so successful is because you know if if you have any business aspiration from anywhere in the world, this is the place of freedom and opportunity and a, a capitalist system and you know lower than average taxes in the world right and you can have predictability in your business negotiations and there aren't mafias taking all your money your government corruption so like some very low bar standards for why it's a great place to live and and work in the world but even within the country of course there are disparities but i i'm Um, believer in the power of the individual to um, live their life the way they want to and to make choices and make decisions to uplift and advance themselves if if they would like to. And I think we can do that here.
0: I I love that you say that because a lot of Americans in America take the country for granted and all the opportunities that they have. It's usually like immigrants that come from outside that realize that they're so grateful because there's a contrast, right? Like they get, come from nations where it's difficult to do entrepreneurship and then they come over here and like, wow, we kind of like hit jack up. A lot of the people who are natives, like they don't realize what they have. And they're just whining and complaining a lot of the time, to be honest, right. though.
1: There's a generational thing too that happens where immigrants and the children of immigrants are super successful because they still carry that, um, so, so much of um wanting to prove their relatives back home wanting to make them proud and wanting to achieve for the whole family unit you know what people couldn't do back home because they feel that you know weight of oppression that happened in the former country or the missed opportunities or how people sacrificed to help them come here but after about um the next generation like They've kind of lost touch with the immigrant heritage. They're just like very, you know, where it's easy to be privileged and comfortable. And especially over the last few years, with travel being impacted, you know, you have to really um, go out of your way to experience different cultures if you're living in the U.S. These days.
0: No, totally. As a continuation, since we're talking about immigrants and everything like that, and since you're an immigration lawyer, I wanted to get your perspective on it, right? So, you know, America is a nation of immigrants and it's, it's everybody over here is either immigrants or descendant of immigrants and we have an immigrant identity. But over the like, past so many years, there's been like a wave of like anti-immigration sentiment when it comes to the economy. But you are an entrepreneur and you're an immigration law. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about how immigration can actually positively affect the economy and like an entrepreneurship, which is a, basically what American identity is about. What are you? What, what...
1: Um, immigrants are essential to America's economic growth, job creation, the tax base, innovation, staying competitive with China. Um, we would do better as a country creating jobs for uh, native-born Americans if we welcomed more immigrants, not just brilliant startup founders, but also um, skilled workers or even unskilled workers, right? There's a huge crisis in construction and trucking and farming where people need to do jobs for our food supply, for example, right, that like that Americans don't want to do. Um, every immigrant is paying taxes, even undocumented people, and they're you know keeping our social security fund um, having money in it, and uh, then at the at the most extreme with the innovation and the startup founders, over fifty, I think like fifty five percent or more of all billion dollar and higher valued companies created in at least the last 20 years, but but maybe further, um, have at least one immigrant founder. So immigrant. Wow. yeah, lead, it's like a no-brainer. And then, it, you know, it, we're turning it, people away. There's people begging to come in, start companies, pay taxes, and create jobs for Americans. And we don't get them visas. And that's why I have a law firm, because I have to help people navigate that. Other countries are giving people hundreds of thousands of dollars to come and create startups. And we're not even letting them in.
0: No, this this is actually really important because because uh, <laughs> the part part of the show is like to understand like you know like there's a conception that immigrants are taking jobs, but in reality, if immigrants come in and start companies here, you're actually creating jobs, which will actually help the economy. So I mean, there's even like,
1: just immigrants going to Walmart and buying food for their families and buying houses like that pumps money through the economy as well. Like even at that level, but yeah.
0: No, I mean, uh, the, uh, I didn't know that there's like 55% had at least one immigrant or not. Like that is, that is news that I made, mean, yeah, it's basically, because I think the army uh, and, and needs to hear that because there's always like a misconception that, oh, uh, that uh, there's like an anti-immigrant sentiment, but if they're going to create jobs, they're going to help pump the economy, then it is important to have, like, it's part of our national identity altogether. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and where immigration gets um, it's like the third rail of American politics and everybody lumps everything together so nobody can agree. So we haven't had immigration reform since 9-11 really in any meaningful way. And there are huge issues with it. Um, but I would contend that there are Economics, even even at the at the root, just like self interested, how rich is America going to be? How much prosperity will we have? Um, just like that selfish dollars or taxes perspective, I think the evidence is super clear that that even you know low skill immigration would help with that, um, especially with like birth rate declining, boomers aging and there's such a there's so many job shortages in america i I have a very different view of what the economy is doing compared to what i think is promoted in mainstream media and the way i see it there's tons of opportunity tons of people would love to work in the united states and they can
0: so yeah uh the, re- the reason I've asked you this question is because you have an interesting uh, intersection where you're an immigrant lawyer and you're, like, you, and you're also an entrepreneur, right? But a lot of people that are into entrepreneurship and economy are more towards, are more rightly, the more conservative oriented. But it so happens that there's a thing that the more conservative oriented or the more, there's like a way of anti-immigration or like, like they call it legal. But like at the same time, we're, pro- we're showing in this audience that no, like you can be an immigrant, and you can have, and you can actually help the economy versus hurting it, because that is a, that has been all the current, uh, from what I seen the last ten, twenty years, there's been a lot of like an uh, like an anti sentiment towards it, and it's
1: been a ton of anti immigrant sentiment, and I think it's just that you know a lot of people gain from fear mongering, so that gets promoted as like the standard and the wisdom, but it's not true.
0: Like, personally, for me, like, as, a, as an immigrant, I came, came to this country, right? Like, I'm kind of like, I'm pro-entrepreneurship and everything like that. But it's like, kind of like, I've always been, like, caught between two of the things. Because, like, you know, the same people that are pro-entrepreneurship, it seems like there's a stereotype that they're also anti-immigrant. But the identity of America is immigrant immigrants and descendants of immigrants and entrepreneurial spirit. And it was just so confusing to me. You know, like, what's going on? And yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't, I don't.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to put everybody in a box, but yeah, you got you to live your life and not everybody will get it, but that's okay.
0: No, I, I love this conversation. You can do
1: both at the same time and so much more. You can be an immigrant and an entrepreneur.
0: No, I know and that but like but so, politically it's like oh yeah. either you're this side or you're that side. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, like there are good people out there that want to be entrepreneurial at their also. Yeah body the thing you know right and
1: if there's money in the world who would you rather have it you know if you're going to define people as good or bad like would you rather have the good people have the money or the bad people have the money so
0: (laughs) exactly so sophie what is your uh what do you think is the biggest hurdle that uh, americans face when it comes to realizing the american dream and how do you think they should overcome that Thank think That most
1: Americans on the answer wheel of consumption and buying into the narratives of fear. And so I think from that perspective where you're always spending money on new items that you're gonna give away in six months anyway. And I I just cleaned out my garage and I just can't believe how much stuff I'm I'm you know that I've <laughs> purchased for self-soothing reasons over the last few years um but when everything is presented as the next crisis the fear and then all the hours are spent working hard and all the money you know goes to pay the bills i think it's really hard to step away from that and perceive that the American dream is possible, that it is an option, that, of course, there are, are things to change in the world and change in our country. But where does that start? I think there's like a a Chinese, old Chinese proverb about that, right? It's something like, you know, if you want to change the nation, if you want to change the world, change the nation. If you want to change the nation, change the state the state you know you got to change the city if you want to change the city change the family if you want to change the family change yourself like so i think that it
0: all totally agree it all comes down to changing ourselves and it's like the ripple effect you know And
1: it's so hard right to go from like hamster wheel of fear and consumption to mindfulness whatever that looks like it can be a lot of things for different people if they you know come to their center walking in the woods or meditating or sitting in a yoga class or whatever fishing um but being okay with silence it can be so scary um because like the thoughts that plague our brains can be so overwhelming sometimes so it's, it's really hard to um Acknowledge even that the American dream is an option for yourself if you feel oppressed by inner demons and, and, and fear. Um, because it's it's scary to like step off the the train of comfort and for you know find your own path and risk. That people won't understand you or they might not like you or you might lose everything that you thought you had worked so hard to gain. Um, but the thing I'm realizing now is that, yeah, you'll lose those things. But when you get to the point where they leave your life, you're actually not going to mind too much because you've changed and you're a different person. and You can let it go and it's not actually that.
0: That's uh, deep. It's, it's all about like self-improvement, you know, which is actually the only true way you can have positive change. Instead of blaming other people, we have to start changing ourselves, you know, become better human beings. And then we can affect the communities around us. So yeah. So
1: and by better human beings, just more authentic to ourselves. You know, just just doing the right thing in our hearts for for what our path is. And that's not gonna be standard, right? There's however many billions of people in the world and We're all different, and that's a good thing, you know.
0: No, totally. Yeah. So, Sophie, I know that you've done this advice column, uh, this advice column called Dear Sophie, and you also did a podcast called Immigration Law. Can you tell us more about how what prompted you to start all of this, and a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. I write an article. It's a it's for the online technology newspaper TechCrunch, which is like the top global startup. you know, startup business, entrepreneurship, technology, uh, newspaper publication. Um, I also have a podcast that I started. I started both about two and a half years ago. The podcast is called Immigration Law for Tech Startups, and it's available on Apple and Google and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, So I've been doing... Uh, The the podcast started as how-tos for immigration, how to get an H-1B, how to get an O-1, how to quit your, you know, big tech job if you're from India and get a green card by yourself to be able to start your startup. So a lot of questions like that in the startup sector. Um, The... The column answers readers questions on related notes every week Um, that comes out on Wednesdays and you can subscribe to TechCrunch Fluff to gain access to that. Um, So it's been fun. And that happened because I took initiative and stuck my neck out and I didn't know if it would work or not, but um, I found out that um, a few years ago that TechCrunch was looking for a call for experts in Silicon Valley and they wanted to create like a vetted expert um, service listing directory and I asked a bunch of people to nominate me and I had 76 people nominate me. Um,
0: uh, Congratulations. (laughs) awesome.
1: the the tech crunch people were like um you're clearly an expert and in my mind i'm like oh my god i'm an imposter (laughs) (laughs) so i just i just said you're like oh do you guys ever need like content and they're like yeah like well what if i you know helped you with this thing and then they're like yeah we could like publish uh, one thing and try it and then they liked it right and i kept offering more and then um like, and if you guys ever have a conference or something and you need a speaker and they're like, oh, you know, you're, you're not, well, if you're not a venture capitalist who we would want to speak. But then I got a call of like, hey, we just decided to put together this thing for experts. Are you still going to interested in talking? And I was like, of course. And so then I went to a couple of those conferences in 2019, TechCrunch Disrupt. And then I think I was like washing my hair and I was like, what if I had an immigration advice column? Kind of like that person who answered people's dating issues like in the 90s and newspapers called Dear Abby. What if people like wrote in their, their, about their, you know, broken hearts about immigration and I could answer their questions <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny. And I pitched it to them and they're like, yeah, we could, you know, run it a little bit and it worked. So it's been going.
0: That is awesome. Years now it's super fun. I would definitely advise my audience to take a look at that, yeah.
1: You. Yeah, and if you follow me on on Twitter, Sophie underscore Alcorn, um, every month now I'm doing a uh, a Twitter live with TechCrunch to um, answer folks' questions around the world live. It's super fun. It's like an hour each month.
0: Awesome. So Sophie, is there any other work that you're doing right now that you want to uh, let the audience know or get, uh, give them a glimpse into?
1: Thank you so much. Uh, my main focus is I mean, so just so coming from the world of professional service provider to becoming a business owner, and then I had to figure out brand and marketing. And you know now the thing that is needed for my firm to continue to scale is internal automations. So I'm just head down on building and. Reimagining, you know, the best flying experience possible. Of like, you know, um we have such beautiful products and wonderful apps that we can use, but there's so many things about humans that are hard to work with. And so I'm just trying to think about, from a business person, what's the best. Part?
0: You sound like, like alien <laughs> Humans are.
1: <laughs> well, all my clients are aliens. So
0: it <laughs> <great>. <laughs> How I know I was going to leave myself once a book time. So. <laughs> it's
1: wonderful, it's a badge of honor, um truly, because it's it's you know a testament to your grit and determination and everything that that journey has meant for you and your family, which I'm sure is not insignificant. So. Um, No, it's it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to be able to say.
0: Yeah, it's been a journey for sure. (laughs) So Sophie, uh, where can our audience uh, uh, connect with you and get to know more of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm on very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Sophie Alcorn, the law firm is called Alcorn Immigration Law. We're at alcorn.law and there you can contact us to get information about our visa and green card services as well as um, enroll in our extraordinary ability boot camp online course to get uh, an extraordinary ability visa or green card or national interest waiver green card um, by yourself from anywhere in the world so we have that educational content for you and you can also subscribe to the blog there and um and the podcast. So we'd love to, you know, stay engaged and, and keep in touch. And I'm always excited to um, you know, consider consider new opportunities in the space or speak to groups. Um so, you know, very excited to just connect with any with any listeners and, and keep in touch. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh uh, yeah, totally. Uh- well, Sophie, that, that concludes the show for today. Uh, thank you so much for having us, uh, having coming to the show and everything. And uh, you are an extraordinary American. And not only that, you're an inspiration to female entrepreneurs that want to take the chance to do entrepreneurship and become financially free uh, themselves. You know?
1: Thank you, Cosmos. I really
0: yeah. It. Well, we would definitely want to have you back at the show at, at some future time.
1: I would yeah.
0: love that. Thank you so much. I want to conclude this show by telling my fellow Extraordinary Americans that, hey, look, there's an extraordinary within each and every one of us, and it's our job to empower and unleash them. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for watching Extraordinary America. If you like what you see, please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. Remember that the best investment that you can make in your lifetime is in your own financial education. For it is knowledge that truly sets you free. Also remember that uh, your purchasing power is being diluted through inflation. And then the practical thing to do is to protect the loss of your purchasing power by investing in precious metals or the right cryptocurrencies. Also, never forget that you are an extraordinary American. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.